The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGB 95.9 FM and 12:40 AM on this Sunday, November the 28th, 2021. Gary Harding here, and John Panarese with me as always. We will be here for the next 120 minutes tonight, talking all things New York sports. Um, John, we'll get into your tirade, and we've got a doozy coming in at the 8:30 hour uh, of the show. Oops, my mic's not good. Okay. Sorry about that. Hopefully everybody can hear me now again on Sports Talk 1240. WGBB, Gary Harding, John Pattery is with you. We are going to get right to our uh, our guest uh, in a second here. So if we can cue out the music, please. Got to play the background music because uh, tonight our first segment is uh, Islanders uh, alumni show. And... Uh, this gentleman, our, as our, our first guest of the evening, spent about a year and a half on Long Island and had some, uh, I think, some very good, very good showing. Um, had a couple of great games, and we'll talk about his his Islander time and his career uh, in the NHL. His name is Dwayne Rosen, and I believe he's joining us from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Dwayne, it's Gary and John here on Sports Talk 1240 uh, WGBB. Thanks for joining, and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I was able to spend it with uh, one of my boys up at school and saw the other one for breakfast in the morning, so uh, so it was good. Uh, but unfortunately, we got some uh, cold weather. I've been down in Florida, so I get climatized a little bit, so <laughs> getting back to the cold up here. Yeah, you, you well, you come on, you're Canadian. You should never forget the cold, right? Oh, no, I actually, we love it. Uh, my wife was out. Running up in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, it was minus, well, well, I guess about 20 degrees Fahrenheit, and, uh, you know, she was, she was happy. It's better than the humidity and, and the heat in Florida, so, so it's, uh, it's just something you, you get used to, and, you know, it, it was a culture shock though at first, uh, but for the, after the first five hours, it's all good. Yeah, right, exactly. So we wanted to, you know, we have, uh, an alumni segment. We've had various Islander, uh, players come up, uh, and talk to us about, about their careers on Long Island. And of course, you know the story, uh, you know, with the new building and stuff. But, you know, you came here after, um, a good couple of year run, uh, with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, signed here as a free agent. Um, what were your thoughts about coming to Long Island? I mean, what were you, you know, when you, uh, come as a player, Obviously, all you probably see of, the, of, of Long Island is the Nassau Coliseum and probably the Marriott Hotel across the street. But what were your expectations uh, to coming to here as one of uh, your many teams that you got to play for? Yeah, that's that was pretty much all my knowledge of Long Island was the Marriott and the, and the Nassau Coliseum. Um, <clears throat> my expectations were actually pretty high. Uh, I talked to Garth. Uh, Snow at the time was the GM and had a good talk with him and and so you know he sort of filled me in on on the areas and everything else about the about the city and the town and the community and the rink and practice facilities and then you know from there on it was my billet dad in St. Catharines, Ontario, Bob Sam who's been an Islander Islander fan 
since day one. So wow. he said, if you don't sign there, you're, you're never welcome back in my house. So <laughs> uh, between Garth and, and my bill at that, it was, uh, it was a no-brainer. Um, but my wife and I, we love, we love the area. We, we lived in Manhasset when we were there. And, mm-hmm. um, actually a good friend of mine is, uh, working in the miners now for, in Bridgeport for you guys, uh, Rick Kowalski. So I told him when he was coming to camp, make sure you get to Garden City and Manhasset, get to all, all the nice areas and, uh, enjoy your time because it's a, it's a beautiful area of the world that no one gets to, to see. And I was glad that we we're able to be there. Well, I, I remember clearly when you played here and one of the things that, that sticks out in my mind and it was, I was kind of looking through, uh, just to kind of refresh my memory about your career, um, was the, the four to three win over the Maple Leafs where you set a, um, uh, a record for most saves. I think it was DiPietro's record who, uh, was 56 saves and I think you made 58 saves in that game. Do you remember things about that game? Yeah, it was, uh, we were in Toronto, I do believe. Um, so it was, uh, in my pretty much hometown, my, uh, my friends and family were all there. So it was, it was nice to play in front of them. But, uh, for me at, at the time, but the way the game started was just a bunch of shots. And I was just like, okay, here we go. <laughs> um, and, uh, next thing you know, it's at the end of the game, we, we win and, I didn't even know the shots. I just knew it was a busy night and, and, uh, you know, so it was a lot of fun and like I enjoyed busy nights. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it was, those games are a lot easier to play because you're, you're constantly in it. You're not, uh, you're not, you know, thinking about, well, when's my next shot going to come? It was just, you don't have time to think you're just (laughs) reacting and, and playing. So, uh, but it was nice to, to do it against the Leafs, and uh, as much as I grew up a Leaf fan, and uh, I always loved beating them. <laughs> yeah, now I, well, I was going to talk actually a little bit, and I, I, I had it on my list first. But um, for a goaltender, especially one of one of your ilk, I mean, you lasted. I, it's over twenty years. I mean, you played into your early forties. Um, you know, you don't see that a lot with with goaltenders. I mean, what was is there is there some kind of secret that that you know you got to play so many years in the NHL? Uh, was it uh, the way you took care of yourself? Was it your regimen? You know, what's what's the secret? Well, you know, there's a, two or three things that, that sort of went in the mix with that. Um, and you guys know Ricky's story, you know, coming in as an 18 year old, mm-hmm. you know, right away. You know, I didn't come into, I didn't turn pro until I was 24. I was, went to the university first and graduated and then played a couple of years in the minor. So, you know, my body was, was developed at that point. I, I still wasn't growing, you know, and, you know, my joints were, were ready to go. My ligaments and, and all that stuff were already, you know, maxed out to where they're going to be. So I wasn't going to be stretching the, any, anything, any ligaments or anything like that while I'm playing. So, so, you know, for me, I was fortunate that way. Two, um, a guy that I, I trained with, uh, Scott Prohaska is his name. He, he actually lives in Newport Beach, uh, California now, but, uh, he's out of Buffalo. Uh, when I played for the Sabres, I, mm-hmm. I met him there and I started working out with him and we did a lot of, uh, weird, goofy exercises, but, all the exercises were to 
strengthen all the small muscles around the big joints. And um, it was sort of forefront of what all the guys are doing now. So, uh, you know, for me, I was able to take advantage of, of him and, you know, being able to to utilize what his knowledge of, you know, training and strengthening proper muscles, uh, you know, for, for protection pretty much. And, you know, minus the, the, the injury in game one of the Stanley Cup finals, mm. uh, I was pretty, uh, pretty lucky to get through a career with, uh, without any major injuries. Um, well, actually, when you're, when you're asking that, at that time when you were playing in Buffalo, were, were goalie coaches as big of an entity as they are, they seem to be now? You know, especially I know on Long Island, we actually, there are actually two goalie coaches here. I, I mean, was the goaltender coach that, that time not as big of a, I wouldn't say a priority, but what a big entity, if you will? Um, it was coming in. When I first turned pro, excuse me, uh, in the minors, we had Roland Melanson. Uh, another former Islander, and um, he was my goalie coach in in St. John, New Brunswick, when I when I first turned pro. And uh, and Glenn Hall was a, the guy up in Calgary. So you know that was just starting to come in. Um, you know, in Buffalo, I had Jim Corsi. You know, he was. You know, he had a lot more time for Dom than Dominic Hasek than he had for me, which <laughs> rightfully so. Um, when I Gee, only played 14 just... games in two years there, so so I, I don't blame him for spending more time with Dom. Um, and then you know, as the as my career went on, we had had a lot more goalie coaches that they're a lot more involved. Like you know, I was I was lucky in in Long Island. I had Sudzy and I had Mike Dunham. So right, right. Um, Dunny Dunny's a great guy and played against him. So he played against him in college and I played against him at pro. So he knew my game well. Um, so it was great for me to be able to, you know, spitball with him and sort of, hey, Dunny, like, you know, what are you thinking or what are you seeing? Are you seeing anything that I should be focusing on? And, and Sudji was another guy that I didn't really know until I got to Long Island. And um, I liked him so much that when I was coaching in Anaheim, I brought him to be my assistant. Uh, so uh, okay. now he's still there in Anaheim. Uh, and running the goalies there in Anaheim, so um, so I had a great relationship with both with Mike and Sudzy. So uh, I was set up there pretty well for for goalie coaches, and, and it was a great experience for myself. And Garth was there too. Okay, not him. Yeah, Garth. <laughs> Garth was there. He, yeah, Garth was. Uh, he was more worried about getting getting the guys all organized and ready. And you know, you know, he did a great job when I was there. I, you know, Garth was awesome. Uh, and uh, for all for the whole time there, uh, mm-hmm. especially getting thrown into a situation that they got thrown into, I thought he did a remarkable job, and I know he's still part of the organization, and I'm sure he's helping out just as much as he did before. Now you would you would alluded earlier about you know the uh, uh, playing for Edmonton and getting to the finals. Is that like one of your 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 fondest or your your best memories throughout your career? I mean, you you really were in the league for a long time and, and played for you know, uh, four or five, five different teams is that, that was like, that, to me, when I was reading that about how you, you were injured in, in game one of the finals, that must have been pretty, you know, I, I know I would have been devastated. Yeah, it was pretty devastating. Um, you know, it's one of those things that, the, you know, playoff time, it's the adrenaline and everything else, uh, going on and you, like, I didn't try not to, 
think about it um, during the time while we're still playing. You know, I wanted to be a good teammate, be around, and you know, bump up the guys. And we had Ty Conklin and Juicy Markinen who who were there um, as well. So I wanted to be there to support them as much as I could um, to help our team have success. And you know, unfortunately, we lost in Game Seven, uh, but we, you know, we could have could have went either way. So. Um, between Edmonton and, and actually, uh, I think Minnesota was uh, was a great run as well when when I played with the Wild uh, for an expansion team with a bunch of castoffs from a whole bunch of different organizations to lose to Anaheim the eventual. Um, well, they they lost to New Jersey that year, I do believe. Right. Um, yeah, but uh, that was a great great success for for our team there. Um, but. Anytime you're playing playoff hockey, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, just going back to uh, you know the Islanders part, um, you were on, you know, you were on that team, especially with a lot of young players. You know, with um, you know Kyle Oposo and 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 uh, John Tavares and Josh Bailey. What was the uh, what was that locker room like? You know, especially with those a lot of the young kids developing, and and you also had a rookie coach too with with Scott Gordon uh, taking over. Yeah, it, it was great. Um, you know, look at Johnny's career. Like he, he was, he was a pretty well experienced guy at the time. You know, he, you know, he, the way he, he is today is the way he was there um, at that time. Him and Matt Molson lived together with, at Dougie Waite's house. So, right. Right. Um, you know, I had more more ties with with Josh than than Matt and and John. But uh, you know, I remember. Both my boys were getting in the field lacrosse in, in Long Island and brought the, they came down the rank and they brought the lacrosse racket. They're, they're brand new and next thing you know, JT and, uh, Maddie have their rackets or the pump in the pocket, <laughs> loosening up all the strings and getting their pockets when they're playing catch and teaching the boys stuff. So that was a, that was a nice thing about having a young group, right? You brought your kids around. They were, they're right there. They're involved. They're, they wanted to be, be there like big brothers for for the kids and and for us we we tried to do the same thing with them and you know it's great to see that uh, Johnny and Josher and Kyle are all having great careers I know Maddie just just hung them up a couple of years ago but uh, actually Maddie still actually Maddie Mose is still playing oh is he okay. he's um right. yeah he's actually the captain of um oh God Hershey oh, he's fault. still playing at Hershey okay. and he's actually well, he's been the captain okay, the last two or three years. Okay, great. That's that's great. I thought he hung him up, but uh, that's that's awesome. Um, but it's great to see the, the other guy, everyone having success and that they're having long careers. And you know, it's you know, we had a great experienced group. You know, between Witter and Dougie Waite, and um, you know, Ricky was around. So a lot of guys there that uh, John Sim was in there as well. That that could mm-hmm. sort of teach these guys and let them lean on them as well so um Matty martin's back again which is great to see and so it's great to see some of the guys that, w- that came in when i was there <clears throat> still playing and and doing well having success well actually the one other person i wanted to mention and, and to me he was always one of the you know watching from the stands you know and and, and listening to interviews and stuff brendan witt was one of the most crazier guys that i've seen <laughs> in a long time i mean you know what was he like in the locker room uh winter was awesome he was actually pretty quiet in the locker room 
Really? Wouldn't know yeah, that by what he says in, on no, the, in the media. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, um, you have to ask him if you get him on this show, ask him about uh, getting hit by a car. Oh, I remember that story in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, I don't need to go to the hospital. I'm a hockey player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he hit by a car and ended up playing again that night. So, um, yeah, he was actually uh, pretty quiet. Um, you know, I get along great with with uh, Witter. Obviously, being being back there and always having to communicate with one another on the ice, we mm-hmm. we actually had a pretty good bond. And um, so he, he's a definitely an interesting guy and, and a great guy to know and and uh had a lot of fun with him now as now you you know you've you've kind of seen both sides as a as a obviously a long time goaltender and now you're in in the coaching end of things what it, what do you appreciate the role of as a coach because of the fact that you played for so long or do you would you prefer as being a player what what are your thoughts on that subject I think being a player and knowing what the guys go through day in and day out, the stresses, it allows me to be a better coach. Um, that being said, like, you know, there, I knew there was times where I just didn't, didn't want anybody around. I just wanted to go and, and do my thing. And I, I, I can sort of get a feel for that now. And I understand that when guys say, Hey, you know, I want to do this. Okay. You know, I get it because I, um, I've been there. I, I was in that situation before. You know, I, I remember uh, we're in Anaheim, and Freddie Anderson didn't have a – we lost in – like it was a 2-1 game. We lost in overtime, and it, it was a tough goal against uh, – you know, he was mad. Uh, he, I think he put up like 40 or 50 saves or something like that, and he was playing well, and we ended up losing in overtime, and, and he was mad. He was, and rightfully so mad, right? Came in and kicked him in the pads. He goes, I don't want to talk. So I wasn't going to talk to you. <laughs> you know, I walked away and I said, I get it. Don't be offended. I'm not being, a, uh, not going to be offended by that. So, you know, being, playing, you sort of get you to understand what the guys are going through. So, you know, when I'm talking to them or talking to guys or, or scouting guys, it's like, you know, you know what they're going through, how they're feeling in every situation of the game. You know, even though the game, game the way they play is a little bit different, but, uh, for the most part, mentally, it's all, it's all the same. And, and so you get to know what they're thinking and feeling and you know when to, to come in hot or when to stay away. You know, so, you know, I try to put myself in their shoes before I have a discussion with any of the guys that I deal with. Again, uh, we're on Sports Talk, uh, WGBB Sports Talk New York, and we're talking with Dwayne Rollison, former New York Islander and NHL goaltender. Um, well, for the last few minutes, we got you on the air, Dwayne. Um, again, you, you've been coaching. You know, you you worked with Anaheim. I know you're working in the uh, in the uh, in the junior ranks, but obviously, your your most important joy, and I'm sure. Um, are your are your two sons? And I know you talked. You know they were playing lacrosse when they were here with you know uh, hanging out with the Islanders. But um, we see that uh, looking through some of the um, hockey DB that they're in the ones in the college ranks and ones in the uh, in the USL USHL ranks. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your kids and how they're progressing and and how come they didn't become goaltenders? Yeah, that was my curiosity. Well, there's it's. Uh... 
probably stories that I can't, well, the one story I can't really say on the air, but uh, we're <laughs> in Edmonton, both, both boys, we had the outdoor rink in the backyard. Of and, course. Um, so we had all the goalie gear for them, and so my wife had the older, older boy dressed up in the goalie gear, sent him out in the backyard, and and she's getting the younger younger one uh, dressed. I'm on the road somewhere. I don't even know where. <laughs> I guess he had to go to the bathroom, and he was pounding on the back door. My wife didn't hear him, and uh, next thing you know, that was that was it. Okay. So he never put the put the goalie gear on. <laughs> and then my youngest guy, he as a four year old, he was a really good skater, and. He put the goalie gear on and went down on a butterfly and couldn't get back up. So that was it. And I was like, I didn't even get to shoot pucks with their head to scare them or do any other weird stuff that, that my dad did and my cousins used to do to me. Like, I didn't even get to do any of that fun stuff. So, um, but no, I get the, the oldest boy, Brett. He's in, he's playing up at Lake Superior State right now. He's a freshman there. He just went in this year and, and my youngest guy's in Green Bay. He's, uh, his first year in, in the USHL. Played uh, last year in the Null and in the BCHL uh, until they got shut down. So, um, so they're both uh, both doing well, and I'm glad that they're doing the college route. And um, you know, I think it's a it's a great great way for them to go. It's something that you get a, at the end of it, you get a degree, and no one can take that away from you. Exactly, and I'm sure. You know, being away from, you know, for so long during their, their development and that, you know, it must be real special just being able, like you said, to take that trip up to Green Bay or, or that trip up to, uh, up to the Sioux and, and just watch them play. I mean, that's gotta, that's gotta bring so much joy and, and saying, thank God you got, you get the opportunity to do right. that. Yeah, exactly. I'm fortunate. Uh, my wife and I are fortunate that we, we can get up to see them whenever, whenever we want. And, it's it's been a lot of fun watching them play and develop and mature and everything else. So it's 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 always nice to see and and you know the friendships that they made along along their path or travels with with, with me traveling around. Uh, they get to see a lot of guys that uh, they haven't seen uh, um, when they're when they're traveling around and playing against guys that they they played against when they were younger. So so it's always it's always fun for them, but uh, it's better for my wife and I to be able to see them and spend some time with them. And just going back to um, uh, the Coliseum and that. Now, uh, obviously, you know with the Islander story that we've you know moved into a brand new state of the art facility. But what were your, you know, we always ask, we try to ask, you know, not being biased to where we are as Islander fans and you know growing up here. But but what was that? What was the difference? What you thought that building played like as a as a goaltender? You know, compared to other places. I mean, what, what made the Coliseum maybe to you special or not special or, or what have you? Well, it's definitely unique, um, compared to the, the arenas now. Um, the fans are right there, right on you. And whether you're having a good night or bad night, the, the fans let you know, uh, <laughs> let you know. Uh, yeah. and you know, I, just the atmosphere of the arena, like how loud it got, uh, you know, just it was a lot of fun playing in there because of the noise and because of how close everybody was um, to you on the ice. So it, it sort of brought you like almost like a kid with those dreams that you, you had, you know, game seven, scoring the Stanley Cup final goal or mm-hmm. making a save or whatever else and hearing the raw 
the rods and your charades in your head, you know, sort of brought you back to real life. I, I remember there was games there that, you know, we couldn't talk to one another on the ice because it was so loud. And those those games are fun to play in, and they create a lot of excitement for the players and, and the joy and uh, to play in those games. And watching the fans last year during the playoffs was, was exciting and sort of, you know, sent tingles up my spine so it was, it was a lot of fun and a lot of good memories well i will tell you Dwayne, if you if you get an, the opportunity to come down to the island um and, and see the new ubs arena it, it, it is built the same way i mean it the the roof is only three feet higher than the roof at the coliseum so it when when when, when this team finally gets out of covid and gets cleared up and Get healthy again. Uh, it's going to be probably just as loud, just as crazy. But uh, uh, so, so last thing from from me, uh, Dwayne. What what are you what are you doing now? I mean, I, are you still involved in the game? Are you still coaching? Are you, you know, or or is it just being uh, being the hockey dad? Um, yeah, I'm still doing some uh, some coaching. I you know I still consult with uh, the Western League team on Victoria, even though I'm in Tampa. Um, and then I do some, I have a couple, uh, last year I had three or four, uh, goalie students that I did some training for, but oh, cool. they've all left except for the one. They've, uh, moved them on into the ranks. So they're playing in, playing in Chicago, ones in Europe and that. So, which is great, uh, it's great to see them. So I just try to stay busy as best I can and, uh, try not to get in trouble by being <laughs> home too much, you know. Um, so, but other than that, uh, and then watch my kids. Try to watch them as much as I can. Yeah, that's great. Now with streaming and everything else, it's always it's nice to be able to watch them and see them play, and then you know talk to them after the games and stuff like that. So it's it's a, that's enjoyable for myself. I know you've been at, only been out of the league for what ten years, and I, I like to ask a lot of the alumni this question. But if you had the opportunity or the chance, the fountain of youth or whatever. Would you want to play in today's NHL? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I haven't been gone too that long, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no. But for sure, for sure, it's uh, the way the game is and how exciting the game is and how fast it is right now. It's, it's definitely uh, fun to be a part of and fun fun to watch uh, on TV. Now it's it's ex- it's a lot more exciting than what it was back in the seventies and eighties. And no disrespect to those guys, they 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 are great hockey players. It's just the game now is just so much faster, and, and obviously with technology, with skates and sticks and, and all that stuff now, uh, you know, it's made the game a lot faster. So it's it's really fun to watch. Well, listen, Dwayne, we really appreciate you uh, joining us on our Islander Alumni Corner, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, we wish the, the kids luck, too, yeah, and uh, hopefully you have a great ho- Christmas holiday. And, again, thanks for joining us on uh, WGBB Sports Talk New York tonight. No problem. Thanks. Anytime, guys. All right. All right take, care. take care. All right. That was Dwayne Rollison. Great interview. Yeah. Um, you know, great guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I really... I really enjoyed uh, watching him play, and like I said, you know, he played. He played until he was like forty-two. I, yeah, believe. I wish he was here longer. I mean, yeah, honestly, I always I liked him when he came, and, and I, I just remember. Yeah, I mean, Tampa at the time consistency. You know, Tampa at the time, you know, needed a needed needed a starter. I don't remember the situation, but they needed somebody, and and the the, the deal worked out for Dwayne, and he, you know, like I said, he played 
they lost in Game 7 of the Finals in 2011 to the Boston Bruins, who, of course, eventually would beat Vancouver in Game 7 to win the Stanley Cup. So he had his one, one last chance for the Cup, and unfortunately yeah, I, came a little short. I think if if he didn't get hurt, I think Edmonton had a pretty good yeah, chance of winning that Cup. I was really excited with that yeah. with that Edmonton team. You know, I mean, you know, Carolina, it's a nice story. But, yeah, but, but I, I Edmonton, you know, came out of nowhere. They made it in the last minute. And again, he was a trade to get there too. So, you right. know, it was, it was a great story. He was, you know, it was a big thing. And then get, he got certain game one and I was right. like, oh, Ugh. but they still, they still made it to game seven, yep. which was, which was a great series. Um, but we're going to take a break. And when we get back, John's going to have a rant. I wonder what it's going to be about. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to have to tune back in in a few minutes and check. Uh, this is Gary and John back here on WGBB Sports Talk New York. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we are back on Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB. And uh, again, thanks to Dwayne Rollison for a great interview uh, on that first uh, segment. And before we continue, I just want to remind everyone that you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit our website at WGBBSportsTalk.com where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. And lastly, if you don't already, and we really think you should, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast of WGBB Sports Talk New York, whether you get it on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we are back um, what I'm going to do, and, and most people know over the last seven years that I usually do a lot of the talking on the show, and John brings his analysis in wonderfully, but every once in a while, John has a need to get something off his chest. And uh, for those Islander fans that uh, are listening to the show, and we know who you are, um, John's, I think, very poised right now and uh, ready to, to give some information. Uh, so, John, I'm going to leave it in your capable hands so whenever you're ready go i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain i mean this is not about the islanders per se some of what's been happening with the islanders is obviously bad luck you can't do much about injuries my beef my problem is with the nhl and specifically consistency over what the heck is covid protocols what defines what we have seen this season alone one team have 10 guys on the roster with COVID before they, they stop their games. We had another team that had nine guys at one point. They never stopped their games. So the Islanders, besides the injuries, we have COVID obviously running rampant through the, you know, now they have, I think, three staff members on top of now Casey Zizekas has been added to the mix. 
I don't know how many is it, six or seven or eight now at this point. But now, eight guys. So now all of a sudden, oh, wow, you're not going to play Sunday or Tuesday this week. Why in God's name did they not stop this last week? It was a disaster waiting to happen. And, and, and I blame the league. And I know Lou was asked this question. I, I heard at least two or three pressers, Lou getting asked the question by media people. Has the league told you, are they gonna, are they gonna suspend games? Are they gonna, and he had no idea. And of course, Lou being the gentleman he was, he basic, he is basically said, well, we're just gonna leave it up to whatever the league decides. But I think this has been a topic of a lot of people, a lot of Islander fans, a lot of the blogs that I've read about this consistency. And again, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want this to get mixed up with the fact that we've lost eight in a row, whatever. But let's face it, that is part of the reason why they've lost eight in a row. They should not have played those games last week. UBS Arena's opening or not. They were just, they were, you know, you're playing with what? A, three, a third of the team is basically Bridgeport right now. And you, you think, that that's going to really equal, you know, a, a really competitive hockey game on the ice, especially with the schedule they had, the schedule coming off the first 13 games of the season all being on the road. I, I just think that somebody fell asleep at the switch in the NHL. I, I don't know if there is an actual rule book that says, okay, this is when we stop play. How many guys have to be sick? What's the What's the circumstances? You know, how many negative, te- none of this stuff makes sense to me. And maybe, maybe I'm just missing something at this point, but I, I just think it was just really disgusting that they, they let them, let them play last week. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they lost to the Rangers, they lost to the Penguins, blah, blah, blah. We just could not put enough guys on the ice, an actual professional team on the ice to play. And I think that's the problem. Okay. Can yeah. you breathe? Yeah. You good? Yeah. You good? I think so. Well, you know what? You're. I mean, you're absolutely right, and and that's what everybody was saying before the before the Ranger game was like. You know, this is this is this is out of control. You know, why are they not doing anything? You know, why did they not? You know, I think it was um, it was San Jose that was missing like seven yeah, or eight seven guys. guys Pittsburgh still- was also missing, including their head coach. Right. And there's no, like I said, there's no consistency. What defines when do we not play? There's got to be some position taken, mm-hmm. you know, by the league with with really clear clear rules that everybody understands, including the you know us knucklehead fans. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. And and okay, so now we're not playing. So are we going to play on Thursday? Is that definite? Like, or, or you know, how long do we have to well, wait? Well, right now, from what that we were told, the practice facility is not available to the team yeah, until for three days until at least at least Tuesday. Right. So think about that. I mean, hopefully, you know, you need to get you know two straight negative tests. I believe you know over a couple of days before you can you know be uh, officially cleared. I know Josh. Yeah, Josh uh, was back. cleared. Right, yeah. he was back. He was he was a. Uh, Ready to play today if, if needed, you know, um, and you know, he actually really pressed, uh, Barry to try to play Friday night, but he wouldn't let him. Um, so, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we hope that in the next 72 hours that some of these guys can get their, their tests, you know, positive. So, right. and let's hope that nobody else comes up, you know. 
you know, uh, the Islanders were lucky. You know, you think of the time in the bubble, the time, you know, obviously in the 2021 season with the shortened, you know, the shortened season and everything else, you know, where, you know, the shots were coming and everybody was getting vaccinated and, you know, teams had problems. There were tons of games canceled, but the Islanders somehow slid right through yeah, without any we trouble. Really didn't have. I think what they we had have no issues. Mine, I think Bailey or one guy had to miss one game, I think, and then somebody else had to miss a game or two right. just for protocols. They right. never it was protocol. Game. It was not. Not that they had they it. They had it. Correct. They had a test and it, it turned out to be a false positive and they were back the next game or whatever. Right. So, you know, it turned out that. Um, sorry, I just turned your uh, recorder off. Um, okay. It turned out that. Um, you know, they were lucky, you know, and, you know, now we're, now they're paying for it, you know, and just, you know, as I said to you in the car right on the way here, if you could have picked a hundred different scenarios for how the season would have started, the 100th scenario would have been something like this. Right. Just, and the one that nobody would have wanted, of course, would have been, except if you're a Ranger fan, would have been just like this. Right. Right. And that's what they got. Yeah. And, but you got to remember one thing, and I got to, I wish I had that tweet. Oh, I wish I had. I can't. Let me see if I I didn't save it, I don't think. But there was some kind of a, a, a tweet that was posted. Oh, and you know what? I'll, I'll try to look it up when we talk. Um, oh, I can't remember his name now. Um, the uh, the stat guy. Oh, my oh Eric Hornick. Eric Hornick. That's it. That's it. Yeah, once I find Eric's stat, uh, tweet, I want to I wanna bring this up because it really – it really meant something. Um, and, and, you know, let me just also make yeah, it go, clear, yeah, too. Do it. Um, you know, the Rangers are playing great hockey. I, I, you know, you cannot take anything away from the Rangers. I know there are a lot of Islander fans, including people in my family, just, you know, Rangers, Rangers are doing it on this. The Rangers are doing it on that. you got to give the Rangers credit. They're playing a lot better than most people expected. And they're getting awesome goaltending. They're getting great defense. They're getting scoring all over the place. And, you know, and again, I'm not blaming, you know, the, the Rangers beat us fair and square, you know, mm-hmm. four to one. Yep, sure did. And it was, a, and you know, we deserve to lose. But the game, and my point is that the game shouldn't have been played. No. No, but let me, I just found it. Because Chris Potter wrote a nice, wrote a, wrote a piece saying, Basically, looking at the 2002-2003 year, we started. They started five eleven and one, um, and that and eleven of those seventeen games were at home, and they started five eleven and one, and made the playoffs. And Chris Potter basically wrote enough with the eulogies and math. Let them get healthy, make fixes, and play some games. And then you and I, of course, talked on the car, and we look at the other example. Look at 2019. Look at the St. Louis Blues. Look yep. where they were on January seventh, January seventh, yeah. two thousand and nineteen, when um, I can't remember who was the coach got fired. Uh, Mike Yo yeah, got Mike fired, Yo. and Craig Berube took over. The St. Louis Blues were last in the league. They were thirty first out of thirty one, with a distance between thirty one and thirty. We all know what happened to them, right? 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 But you know, I, I'm looking here. Um, Back to Eric's tweet. Um, the 0203 team started 5-11-1, playing 11-17 at home, and were 12-16-5 through 33 games. Made the playoffs. Came close to repeating the pattern in 03-04. After opening 9-6-2, they lost seven straight to fall to 9-13-2. Made the playoffs again. In 89-90, they made the playoffs after starting 5-18-3. and 
Yes, different NHL 30-plus years ago. But still, the point of the matter is this. Stop saying your team is done and gone and 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 knock the uh, not kick the bus in the you know in the keister and and run away. Right, it's too early in the season, folks. Mm-hmm. Come on, there's still you know sixty plus games or whatever left. There's plenty, I, plenty of, of hockey. There's time. plenty of time. There's absolutely plenty of time. Get them healthy and then you know let's see what happens. You know, you, I, I know you said you you know you've had some personal issues and you weren't able to. As watch as much as you'd like to, but you know, being at the game Friday night, again a one nothing loss to Pittsburgh. Yes, I understand, but to me, that was a good game. The Islanders played Islander hockey. Yes, they didn't put the puck in the net. I get it. I totally get it. Even sometimes when the Islanders are playing at their best, they're, they're not putting the puck, puck much in the net right. anyway. But they played the typical Islander Barry Trotz style of hockey. Ilya Sorokin was ridiculous. He was he was he was incredible. I mean, the goalie gave up. I'm sure he would have loved to have back in a second. But some of the saves he made, it was a couple point blankers. There was a breakaway with Sidney Crosby. There was a couple of unbelievable side to side saves that nobody in the NHL is making, with the exception of maybe him and Igor Shesterkin, because they both play to me a very similar game. Right. Yep. They they he was phenomenal defensively. I really think they 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 played well. Um, you know, I, I've had issues with the defense. I honestly, I'll, 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 I'll zing one because, and I said it in the car. I think Sebastian Ajo's last two games have been absolutely pathetic. Um, I don't know what's happened to him. You know, because he's got, he's a two-time AHL All-Star. He's got signs of, of being a great puck-moving defenseman, great on the power play. But I think, I, I think unfortunately, his problem was. He didn't get a chance to play until like game seven or eight, and right. that kind of kicked them. Not not playing in in game situations. I think that kind of hurt him. But Robin Sallow to me is the real deal. We've been waiting for him for years to come up here, and I think, given time and give putting him in the right position, in the right, um, the right matchup, I think, I think him with Chara when Chara returns, I think would be a good matchup. To let let uh. To let Salo be the puck rushing defenseman and let Chara do what he what he can, um, I think that's a good combination. Yeah, I think he's got the potential to to replace Letty. I mean, you know, and and that was the thing. You know, you losing. You know, you lose Letty, and and you know, people criticized. Uh, you know, Island defense seemed to find something to criticize about virtually anybody, but you know, Letty got knocked on his defense, and you know, he wasn't doing enough offensively, but. You know, the guy's one of the best fluid skaters in the NHL and, and certainly one of the best exit men, you know, getting the puck out of your zone and, and, and going forward. You lose him, it's gonna hurt. You know, it's gonna hurt. Yep. And, and that's why I think Salo is, it could potentially be that, that, the guy yeah, who fills in. And, and wearing the same number, right. I, I was like, I was almost, sometimes I was almost double taking. Friday night watching the game, I'm like, oh wait, that's Salah doing. That's not Nick Letty. <laughs> and and you look at Nick Letty, you know, you look at some of the guys that have that have gone off this team. Uh, I mean, Letty, you know, is playing on a Detroit team that's imp- that's rapidly improved. They've got a, a couple of great young rookies, and and things are working 
better for them this year. Um, I think the combination of Nedeljkovic and Thomas Grice has done well. But looking at Nick Letty in 20 games, he's only got seven points, and he's a minus seven. I think that's worse on the team. So, I mean, he's not he's, – he's, I think – although I've seen some – some positives out of him. He's the same Nick Letty, right? And so you can, you can. That's a guy you can replace, right? And that's um, you know, it's just getting there. You know, when you lose guys like that, it does take time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I guess you know, it's almost ironic because I think about beginning when this before the season started, it was almost scary to me how many NHL pundits were picking the Islanders to, to win. win the cup. Mm-hmm. I almost. Hated that. <laughs> I did too. I, we we said it. We said it before the season started. That oh, you can't do that. That's going to no, be our do. That's, that's like that's like the doom and gloom right. vote. You know. You know. Every time the every time the Mets were predicted to win, you know, yeah, we all know what happened. Yeah, look at last. With the exception of '86, you right? Know, we all know what happened. Um. But you know, obviously, the problem is scoring goals, yeah, and it's always the lowest been. It's always going to be. Right, percentage. lowest shooting percentage, um, the lowest goals against uh, in the league, um, number thirty-two on the power play, and that's been our Achilles' heel for how many co- how many power play coaches? It's it, but you know I'm not going to knock them over the over the streak, you know, with with guys being out. I want to see what happens when when everybody's healthy and everybody's back. Yes, you know, you know, being at home. I think a home power play is a big difference. You know, than when you have a power play on the road, and I and I think that you know Zach Parisi is just snake bitten right now, and I, I think Palmieri is just snake bitten right now. That's mm-hmm. not that they haven't put the effort in, because they certainly I think are. Yes, I agree. I think over the last few games, Palmieri's effort has gone up. Um, there were times where I was I was questioning that, but but Zach Parisi for a guy of his uh, number of games played and and his experience. Um, he's an energizer bunny. He never stops. Yeah. Yes, he's been, he's, he's in a couple pipes. He's had a couple of, sh- you know, great, uh, point blank shots, um, you know, stopped, stopped by stopped goaltenders. By he's got everything. He's done everything right. And he's done, from what you hear from Barry, he's done everything the team has asked for and more. And that's all you can ask for. And again, uh, Zach, like, you know, some other players that have played on, on Long Island before him are very streaky. And I think once everything comes back and he starts putting a puck in the net, I think things are gonna are gonna happen. And you know, we say this now on November twenty eighth, twenty twenty one, at eight forty seven p.m. I want to put that time there, you know, just to <laughs> just to make sure. I have still no doubts that this team come mid April will still be a factor. Yep, I really don't think. This team is completely out of it. You know, people are going to write them off, and that's fine. Let I'd them rather write. write them, have them write it, because that's when we do. They best. wrote us. They wrote us off. <laughs> they wrote us off at the end of last season when we stumbled. Right. You know, and the, and and the season before in 2020 when we stumbled into the bubble, and we stumbled at the end of last year, and what happened when right. things went zero zero and zero? That's what I'd rather. I'd rather go in like that. I mean, like I said, it was a little disconcerting with all these guys giving them praise. It was like, wait, 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 wait. Wait, what's wrong with this picture? Yeah. But you know, but again, you know, and and everybody's going to look at the Eastern Conference, look at the at the Metro Division, and uh, I'm just bringing it up as we as we sit and talk to you. Um, you know, this has been a year where all these teams in the in the Metropolitan Division 
are, are, are playing fantastic. I mean, we look, we were talking before we went on the air. We looked at the Washington Capitals. Alex Ovechkin, I think, just turned 22 today. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, he's got 37 points in 22 games with 19 goals. I mean, would you ever expect, you know, he is not slowing down by any no. sense of the imagination. And, and Kuznetsov and, and Oshie and all these guys, Tom Wilson's playing at a point of game average. They're, they're, they're fantastic. Again, they're playing Peter Laviolette hockey. And right now their goaltending has, has not been, not been an Achilles heel of this team. And let's hope that stays in, in play. That's, that's the other thing. Carolina finally coming down to earth a little bit, but they're still a very strong team. Right. Up and down. Freddie Anderson, a remarkable story playing as well as he is in Carolina. You only can hope that he continues. The Rangers, I said it before the season started, this team scares me. And I'm not wrong in my assessment. They're not, they are a very scary team up and down that lineup. You know, the goaltending, Shesterkin's been, been brilliant. Um, Adam Fox is playing like a Norris Trophy candidate again. And he's getting help. Keandre Miller is in his second year. Has been incredible. So they're getting great help on defense. The forward lines, you know, you know, you know, Zabinajad, you know, Panarin. Chris Kreider is having a Amazing remarkable season. season. You know, no doubt about it. You know, I, you know, as a, as a, you know, a fo- opponent fan watching him, I can't stand the man, but look at him as a hockey player. He's been tremendous. Yep. Absolutely. He's doing what we need Anders Lee to do when he comes back. Right. Score goals from four feet away. That's been his presence. You know, he's, that's his locker room and he's doing a fantastic job of doing it. And you can't, you can't knock it. Um, Columbus with all the, the people they lost and line A out for a considerable amount of time, they're 12 and seven. You know, I think, I think the loss of their goaltender, um, on the July 4th accident, I think has been a, yeah, a little bit of a battle cry, a battle cry and, and, and it's worked. Yep. Um, Pittsburgh is is coming back to is coming back up. Yeah, they struggled true. in the beginning. They had their COVID issues. Crosby was out with the shoulder, then had COVID, struggled. But he's you know and he and he's not doing well. He's got three points in eleven games. He got an assist assist on the one goal last on Friday night. He's got three points in eleven games. He's not doing as well as he should. Malkin's out. You know they've got injuries, but they're you know but they're doing. To me, the surprise is the Jersey Devils. Yeah. Yeah, you know they they Dougie Hamilton, what a steal! He's been incredible, you know, and 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 Blackwood has done a tremendous job yeah, in, he's in come that. Back. You know, and um, you know they 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 look good. You know, the Flyers are, have struggled of late. You know, they've lost five straight. You know, those have lost two straight as well. I think once the, the Metro teams start playing each other more consistently, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to see a lot of these teams sort of come back down to earth. And I right. think that's when the Islanders, if they can get healthy and start collecting points, right. have a chance to climb Do back. not freak out to the fact that you're 17 points out of a playoff spot right now with three games in hand, okay? So don't freak out on that point. You know, sometimes, you know, I... I you know, we always say October games are important, November games are important. Yeah, they are important, but if you can rally off that. Right. There's 60 games. Like other teams, like other teams have done, like other Islander teams in the past have done. You got, right, you got 65 games left in the season. 65. It's a lot of, that's a lot of time. You play 700 hockey during that stretch? That'll change. Right. Exactly. Change. That, and that's and the- right now, you just, you just pray for health. You pray that these guys can get back, get
get their sea legs back on their on their skates and and go back on the ice and and get some W's on the board because right. man oh man I need to see a win again. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. Um you know, uh, we talked, you know, we talked in the car. You know, I I told you all my thoughts about UBS Arena and again we're in the few minutes we got and we'll we'll take calls in the next half hour if you want to give us a call on the show and and tell us what's on your mind 516-623-1240 is the number. We'll take calls between 9 and 9.30. We're going to talk about New York sports and other things in that half hour, but if you want to give us a call, you can. Um, Paul Kreischer will be on uh, 9.30 to 10, our regular last half hour guest to uh, talk about things. It's NHL. my therapy. And, and John's <laughs> therapy to get him off the ledge. But, you know, let me just, you know, just talk about UBS Arena again. You know, um, you know, John, that Claire and I were, you know, uh, really involved you know, with um, the, uh, the the state ESD and going into the city and talking about, you know, what this arena would mean to Islander Nation, yep. and, um, and we you know, it. we're very proud of being in, being a part of that process. And you know, going coming into the game, coming into the arena that night, and we were very lucky to get an extra, you know, an additional kind of tour. Um, Two hours before the arena opened up to the general public, and uh, just to walk around and to know that friends of mine and you know we're involved with a lot of the other fan clubs of the NHL teams, and you know when we go to all these places and all those years, all those decades, we went to other people's arenas and said, "Man, I wish we had that," <laughs> or "Man, I wish that amenity would be available to us." You know, we don't. We, all we have is a seat. In a dingy building, with horrible men's rooms, terrible concession stands, and this is our home. But we loved our home. You know, we loved. You know, as Dwayne said, you know, there was nothing like the the, the crowd at, at the Coliseum on a game day when the, the team is doing well. There was nothing like it. And unfortunately, we haven't had that ability yet. But I can't wait till we experience a home win yep. and hear the crowd. Because the few times that the crowd was a part of the action, it was it was deafening. It was it was great. It was absolutely great. But walking around the concourse and being able to walk in, grab a sandwich, grab a hot dog, grab a beer, stick your credit card in the in the reader and walk out within thirty seconds. 45 seconds. Much better than waiting on lines forever. Yeah. You, you know the lines at the Coliseum. Yeah. It was, it was atrocious. Um, I will say they, you know, they, they say there's more women's bathrooms than any other arena in North America. And I, I'll take their word for it because I'll never see one. <laughs> but my wife has said, and then we were lucky, we're, our seats up in section 316, when you walk down the steps to go onto the upper concourse, Five feet to your right is the is the women's room. Five feet to your left is the men's room. So we're lucky, but there has been lines in men's rooms, but nowhere near where they were at the Coliseum. So I think they've got it right. But again, the concessions, the bars, the bars are amazing. Um, I have not gone to the uh, the tailgate bar, which is at the opposite side of the arena where we sit by where Section Three Twenty Nine is. That basically it's a one hundred foot bar. And people can stand there, and you can watch the game un- unobstructed. And um, I think that's cool. I think the fact that you you really don't miss out on anything makes the makes the arena 
what it is. And I know um, I had uh, friends at the game Friday night. One was from Philadelphia, and one was from uh, New Jersey. And um, they said, they said, you guys got it. You guys got the arena. You got everything you've deserved all those years. And um, they said they were, they were, they were jealous of it. Good. And that's that's what I've been waiting for thirty plus years as an as a long struggling Islander fan. That's what we were waiting for. And there's going to be good times in that arena. There will be. I of know course. there will be soon. Yeah, soon. hopefully very soon. But um, you know. There's, there's issues. There's going to be problems. There's problems with parking. There's problems with ADA access. There's problems with uh, the weights on buses to get to the north parking lot because of the uh, the volume. But all I can say is since they've opened up the building, I've lost five pounds because I've had to walk a lot. I'm getting 10,000 steps a day during game days because I'm walking back and forth. Right. You know, it's a parking, it's and that's not a fine. Bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. I, I, I unfortunately, I'm going to thank God they had the Olympic break in February because if we get those 12 inch, 12 inch snowstorms and squalls and 10 <laughs> degree below zero, I'm not going to look forward to walking then. Mm. But, 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 there is buses, and they'll figure out a way to make it better. Oh, yeah, it's it's a learning experience. Every every arena I've ever been to that had the first year, the people that I know that that you know had those arenas, they said there were problems up until January, or up until February, or up until March. Even the first year, even to the second year, there were troubles because you got to figure out the things that are going to make it better, and fix the problems that exist. And there are problems. There always is. As I said, you, as I said, I remember saying a couple of years ago on our show, I said they're going to build this building. It's going to be like the Taj Mahal, but thirty-three percent of the people are going to complain and moan and groan that there's something wrong, that's, and they're doing that. But, but to me. Um, you know, if you get the opportunity, if you're, you know, your 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 husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your significant other, gets you an Islander ticket to UBS Arena, jump on it, and take every and get there as early as you can because the building opens two hours before game time, not an hour. They give you two hours, which is cool. Take everything in, walk around both conference courses, check everything out. Check the team store out. It's huge. It's monstrous. Check everything there is. And the building is open an hour after the game, and one of the other bars is open until midnight on, on game days. So you've got time. You've got the opportunity to check everything out. Find what you like. Find what's good. Because believe you me, this building is going to be around for a good long time. It's going to be our home, and I'm proud that this building has gotten constructed. And there will be a Stanley Cup being raised in that building. Yes, there no will. Doubt. If you know John Ledecky like I do, there will be. A, there will be. They'll do everything in their power to get themselves a cup. Well, John, we got one hour in the books. Again, we'll take your calls in the second hour, 516-623-1240. We're going to talk about some other sports news because yeah, the football, hey, the Mets are making some moves. The football teams won some games. Can you believe it? Yeah. You know, there's something good to talk about. Um, but again, one hour in the books. Again, we thank Dwayne Rollison for joining us in the first hour. Um, again, we'll take your calls, 516 623 1240.